Thanks, Steve. Thanks, worship team. Hello, everyone who's watching online. You know, I have, uh, I have the privilege of preparing messages and stuff, and it really is a privilege. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's, also, it's also fun kind of knowing the, the sermon in advance and uh, also having the opportunity to sing in worship, because oftentimes I hear some of the lines we sing in our worship songs, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's such a good line. That's going to lead into the message really well. And, and um, uh, it's 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 awesome how the holy how the Holy Spirit uses the songs we sing to kind of prep us sometimes for the uh, for the message we're about to hear. So uh, thank you, Steve, and the worship team again for uh, leading us in a time of worship. Um, today I want you to to think of uh, I want to start. I, I'm not trying to dep- depress anyone, <laughs> but but I want you to start. I, I want you to think of one or two things that might be troubling you right now. Uh, we're not going to dwell on that too long, but just for a second, what, what might be troubling you right now? Think of maybe one thing in your personal life, or maybe one thing that's happening in the world around you that's not really in your own personal life, but something in the world around you that's troubling you. Uh, on, on, on a personal level, it could be a health issue, it could be a relationship issue, it could be a work thing. Um, on the world around us, it could be an economy situation, maybe you're worried about a war happening or something else, else that's going on in the world around you. I'm sure we don't have to think too long and something comes to mind. And whatever it is that's coming to mind, again, I don't want to dwell on those things. I don't want to stay there. I don't want to leave anyone depressed because I'm hoping to do the opposite today. I want to speak a word of hope and encouragement to you based on the passage that uh, we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about John, we're jumping into John 14 where Jesus, he told us right, right from the get-go in this passage, he told us, do not let your hearts be troubled. I do not let your hearts be troubled. And so as a result, I've entitled my message in the form of a question today. Uh, why should we not be troubled? Why should we not be troubled? Jesus told us not to be troubled. And he gives us some re- good reasons why in this passage, why we shouldn't be troubled. And so today we are in, again, we're in John chapter 14. John was written by John, a disciple of Jesus. And I witnessed everything Jesus said and did during his ministry and his purpose for writing John was so that we who would come by later and read his gospel will come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah uh, and the, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And we've been walking through John for a very long time on and off as we intersperse it with different uh, uh, series. And we're at the point in John now where Jesus, he's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to, to give his life. He's about to rise from the dead and he's about to go be with the Father. And he's having these final moments with his disciples. He's giving some final words Final words of encouragement, giving them a heads up as to what's going on. And last week we ended uh, specifically where Jesus told his disciples to love as he loved them. After he had just uh, gotten down and took the position of a slave, of a servant, and he washed his disciples' feet. And so here we are in John chapter 14 now, following that passage. We're just going to read verses 1 to 6. It's it's a simple passage. It's a short passage, but it is jam-packed full of just amazing Uh, things for us to reflect on this morning. So the passage is John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. I'll I'll just go ahead and start reading it now. It says this, uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he tells us why. You believe in God, believe also in me. He tells us some more here. He says, My Father's house has many rooms. He's talking about heaven. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. He's coming back for us. 
you know the way to the place where I'm going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus answers with one of the most profound, one of the most important statements in all of Scripture. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So uh, it's an amazing passage, a simple one, a short one, but jam-packed full of just awesome stuff to reflect on. So I want to jump, I want to talk about some of the things that Jesus said that jumps out at me. And the first thing I want to talk about, that first phrase, we've already mentioned it, where Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, the disciples, they had good reason to be troubled. Uh, many of them had sacrificed a lot to follow him. Some had left their livelihoods. Some had left the family business. Some had, you know, can you imagine, uh, uh, you know, some of the disciples, they told their father, hey, dad, we're going to leave the family business. We're not going to fish for you anymore. We're going to follow this Messiah, this man who claims to be the Messiah. And you can imagine uh, there, these disciples, what might be thinking, Jesus is now going to leave us. He's going to die. And now I have to go back to my dad and say it was all for naught. It was, you know, uh, and so they're, they're stressed out. They, they, they had sacrificed a lot to follow him. Some of them had probably left their families or whatever. Their reputations are on the line. And now he's going to leave them. And so from a human perspective, they had very good reason to be troubled. Their leader was taking off. And so in this life, uh, in a similar way, you know, we're not in the same situation as the disciples were in, but as they had reason to be troubled. So we, in our life, from a human perspective, we have reason to be troubled as well. Just to give you one example, I'm sure you already maybe thought of your own example, but uh, in, my, in my family, my mom recently, she's, she lives in Ontario, and she recently bought a home in Nova Scotia. And apparently, um, Nova Scotia, even though uh, she bought a house there, Nova Scotia is not allowing her to come into the province because of COVID. And so in theory, in two days from now, she's supposed to leave her house, that's when it closes, and she's supposed to be driving towards Nova Scotia, but they've told her she's not allowed to come in. And so in theory, she potentially could be homeless for a little while. Now, thankfully, I just heard yesterday, she's been stressing out about this, understandably so, but we just heard yesterday that if she goes through a few legal, um, some kind of a legal process with the lawyers and get a, gets a letter from the province, she can, she can get in. So there's some, some hope there, but there's still a reason to be troubled about that. I, 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 don't, I don't envy her. I wouldn't want to be in her shoes. Um, but from a human perspective, from a human perspective, she has reason to be troubled about that with her and her husband. Someone else might be concerned or troubled about the wars and the rumors that are, you know, and maybe rumors of world wars that are happening. I heard recently that the Russia was sending troops to the border of Ukraine. Uh, and if you've been watching the news recently, Israel and the Palestinians are going at it. Um, uh, some, some of us are maybe concerned or troubled about the economy and what COVID has done to the economy. Others of us uh, of a certain perspective, might be concerned about our uh, freedoms being taken away. And uh, there, there's a lot of um, reasonable things for us from a human perspective to be troubled about. But Jesus tells us not to be troubled, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in this world. And so we need to ask the question, well, okay, why should we not be troubled, Lord? And well, he tells us. And I'm going to give us a couple of phrases that jumps out at me that gives us reason not to be troubled. And the first phrase comes from verse 2, and I'm paraphrasing this, and I'm just simply saying this, where Jesus basically said, hey, don't be troubled because I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place in heaven for you. Meaning, uh, as you look at the context of this passage, meaning this world is not our home. This is not 
our eternal resting place. This world and all of its associated problems and troubles, they're only temporary. It's not where our real identity is found. You know, uh, Mom, I'm not sure if you're watching today. I'm not sure if you will watch it or will watch at some other point. But, Mom, I, I don't mean to be flippant. I don't want to be in your shoes. I'm sure nobody watching here wants to be in your shoes. But, Mom, take courage that Nova Scotia is not really your real home. It's not your permanent dwelling place. Uh, take heart. <laughs> take heart. Your, your true home, your true permanent home is in heaven with Christ. For those of us who are worried about wars and Russia and Israel and whatever else, whether rumors of wars and fighting that's going on in the world, take heart. Remember this world and all of its troubles, it's not our permanent home. It's just temporary. We're going to be entering a home in the future in heaven for those who have trusted in Christ where there's going to be no more fighting. There's going to be no more wars. That's our permanent place. For those of us perhaps who have thought of maybe um, relationships in their life that were are experiencing strife, whether it's with family or friends or uh, just people in the community at whatever level, uh, be encouraged to know that one day we're going to enter a place in heaven with Christ where there's going to be no more relational strife. For those of us who are worried about the economy and you're worried about maybe businesses shutting down or suffering and maybe you have suffered economically just within the last couple of years, uh, take courage and know that this, is, this life that we live in is just temporary. This world is temporary. It's not our home. We're going to a home one day where there's going to be no economic issues whatsoever. I mean, the, the streets are paved with gold and the walls have, are filled with beautiful gems and, and stones and jewels. Uh, probably more, well, not probably, they are with, they're more amazing than anything we've ever seen in, on this earth. For those of us who are worried and troubled about our health issues, about sicknesses, about uh, loved ones leaving us, uh, remember that there will be a day in heaven where there will be no more sickness, there will be no more pain, there will be no more death. And uh, remember that this world and all of its sicknesses is just temporary. For those of us who are troubled by our own, what's going on in our own mind and our hearts with the sin we see in our own mind and hearts and the addictions that we struggle with, Remember that this, again, this world and all of its troubles, even the troubles we see within our own heart, they're just, they're just temporary. We are citizens of heaven. Our real identity is wrapped up with, in Christ. And, and one day we're going to be in heaven with Christ where there's no more sin. And we're not, we're not going to have this inner battle that's going on in our hearts anymore. There won't be any troubles in the place that God is preparing. It's eternal. It's long-lasting. It's permanent. And the other thing, too, about heaven, as Jesus talks about here, he says that Jesus, he's personally preparing a place for us. He's not delegating it to someone else. He's preparing a place for us, which means whatever he's preparing, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, some people, some other translations, I think it's the King James Version, uses the word mansion in this passage, suggesting that... um, the, the place or the, the, or the dwelling place that he's creating for us is mansions. And I'm not quite sure if that's really the, quite, the, the correct interpretation, this idea that we're all going to have our own mansion. I, I kind of, I don't know exactly what it's, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I tend to think it's, it might be more of one big giant home and you have a room in that one big giant home. I, I, have, I have no idea. I don't really know. But whatever it looks like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be personalized and God's going to be ready for you. When you go to heaven, there's going to be a book of life and your name's going to be in it for those who have trusted in Christ. 
And uh, you, you're, you, you coming to heaven is not going to catch God by surprise. God's not going to say, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> He's going to say, no, um, your name is written in the book of life. I've been waiting for you. I've been expecting you. And in fact, you know, we're going to have a celebration in just a moment. We're going to have a big wedding feast and there's a seat at the table. It's got your name on it. Uh, it we, we're, we're ready for you. And by the way, I've got a new set of clothes for you to wear and it fits your, per, your body perfectly because I know the dimensions of your body perfectly. And I picked out the colors of this, of these clothing just for you because I know how these colors complement you perfectly or whatever. Oh yeah, and just before we you know, we joined the wedding feast. Let me show you our, the, the place I've prepared for you. In that place, whatever it is, whether it's a room or a mansion or whatever, it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be personalized. You know, Steve, I know Steve quite well, and he likes going on hikes. He likes dogs. He likes Swiss Army knives. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Steve has a place that's, uh, that's right next door to a whole bunch of trails and he's got some awesome dogs, breeds that he always wanted to have. And I wouldn't be surprised if the walls are made out of Swiss Army knives. And, <laughs> and I have no idea, but uh, it's probably going to be a million trillion times better than that. But um, the principle is that, that God, God knows you. He's preparing a place for you. It's probably going to be personal. He's going to be ready for you. He's excited for you to be there. Why, why am I saying all this stuff? remember, uh, we don't need to be troubled about the things in this life because this place is not our permanent home. We just sang one of those, one of those lyrics in that first song in the chorus, these light momentary troubles, right? Um, it's just temporary. It's, it's not eternal. Our home, our permanent home is in heaven with God for all of eternity. Remember that whenever you face trouble. This is not our home. This is not permanent. Our permanent home is with God in heaven for all of eternity. Why else should we not be troubled? Uh, this phrase comes from verse 3. And again, I'm paraphrasing again. Jesus basically said, hey, I'm, I'm coming back for you. And, and, I'm, and I'm coming back to take you with me. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to abandon you. Now, there's three things Jesus could have been referring to here. He could have meant all three. But in the context of this passage, he could have been uh, meaning, number one, after I literally die and literally rise again, I'm going to physically come back to you specific disciples and appear to you, which he did. It, he could also be referring to the fact that he's, when, as he leaves, he's going to send his spirit through the Holy Spirit, uh, which he did. But he could also re be referring to the second coming of Christ at the end of time to get his bride, to get his church, all those who have put their faith in him. And I think he does actually mean all three. But the principle here is, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the moment of when, you, when you're experiencing trouble and challenges in this life, remember that God will never abandon, remember, abandon us. Remember, he says he's going to come back for us. I'm coming back for you. It's kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. <laughs> Bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, God said he would never abandon us. He's coming back for us. You know, some people have this view of God that God created the world and for whatever reason he became disinterested in it and he turned his back and he abandoned the world and he left us. That is not the God that we serve. That is not the God that scripture describes to be, that is not how scripture describes God. Uh, it, Jesus's words, his life, his actions prove the opposite. We don't serve a disinterested God who abandoned us. You know, God saw the world was lost in sin. And what did he do? 
He didn't turn his back. He didn't send an angel. He sent himself. He sent God the Son. He sent his Son into the world to offer us a solution, to offer us a way out. That is not a God who abandons. <clears throat> and after Jesus was betrayed, he was abandoned by his closest disciples. He was, uh, his disciples denied him. And after he was beaten and crucified and killed, and after he rose again, he had good reason to never come back to his disciples, to just to leave them and say, forget about these guys. I'm going to abandon them. But he didn't do that. He came back to his disciples he appeared to them after he rose from the dead. That is not a God who abandons us. And after Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to reside in those who believe and trust him. Again, that is not a God who, who abandons us, who sends his spirit to come and dwell with those who believe in him. And we're waiting for the day for Jesus to return to take his church, his bride, to heaven for eternity. And he promised that. He's coming back, and I believe it with all my heart, uh, and, and he, he's worthy to be trusted. <clears throat> for God to say that he's coming back for us and, and to be trustworthy in, in saying that, like, th that is not a God who abandons us. We don't serve a God who abandons us. Now, somebody might push back and say, they might argue and say, well, what about all the murder? Or what about all the genocide? What about all the wars? What about all the evil in this world? If God was really present... Why would he let this happen? Well, I think we need to look at it. Uh, uh, I think we, need, we may need to look at this the other way around. That because of the evil, the murder, the, the distress, the sin, and the trouble in this world, because of the sin in this world, and because he loved us, he offered us a solution to the sin and the troubles in this world. He offered us an escape from the tragedies which are ultimately result of sin. He provided the solution, and the solution being sending his son to free us from those troubles. He didn't have to do that, but he did because he loves us, because he doesn't want to abandon us. The point here is that he came back. He came back, and he's coming back again. He has not abandoned us. It's just another good reminder that our troubles here, they're temporary. They're temporary because one day Christ is going to come back. He's going to take us to that beautiful place that he's preparing for us. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to dwell in all the troubles that we, the temporary troubles we experience in this life. And then he says this in verse 6. Um, he says this in verse 6. One of the most amazing statements in all the book of John and maybe in all of Scripture. There's a lot of amazing statements, of course, in Scripture. But he says in verse 6, after Thomas is wondering where, you know, how, how, how do they go and be with him? He's confused about what Jesus meant and how do we get to heaven? How do we get to God? Where are you going? And Thomas says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. There's a typo out there. The word and should be in there, but that's all right. I'm the way. It's my mistake. I'm the way and I'm the way and the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And the, the phrase that I want to focus on really is the, word, is the phrase, I am the way. But before I come back to that, um, I just want to read something out of my commentary, which gives us some really good insight when Jesus referred to himself as the truth and the life. Um, let, let me just read this to you. It says, ultimate truth is not a series of propositions to be grasped by the intellect, but a person to be received and therefore knowable only by means of a personal relationship. 
Others have made true statements, but only Jesus perfectly embodies truth itself. He is the truth, and he is also the life. Eternal life is to know Jesus Christ. Amazing. Uh, just, just to summarize that in, in a simple way, truth is not a concept, but it's a person. Uh, and that person is, is Jesus Christ. If you want to know the true truth, uh, you have to know Christ. Amazing. But he said, I am the way. In other words, Jesus was saying here, he is the only way to God. Jesus said he's the only way to God. Jesus said that he's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way to heaven. You know, it's a very popular belief or philosophy in our world today that some teach that there are multiple roads to heaven and that any road will get you there. And there's all sorts of wonderful illustrations that sound really nice. And they, they, they just they sound, wow, that sounds like I could buy that. But here's the problem. Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said, I'm not only the destination, but I'm also the road in order to get there. Uh, I am the destination and the road to get there. And you got to know, uh, I'm not the one saying this. Uh, Jesus is the one saying this. Jesus is the one who's saying, I'm the only road. I'm the only way. I am the destination that you're looking for. There is no other way. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved other than Jesus. Jesus said that. Ryan did not say that. Jesus said that. And so let me remind you that Jesus is innocent. He was perfect. He never sinned. He never did wrong. He came to serve when he came to earth. He was, he was, he was the one who created the world and everything that is in it. And he came in the last passage that we just saw, the previous passage, and he washed his disciples' feet. He took the position of a slave. He came to serve us. And he didn't just serve us, but he died for us. He didn't deserve that. He died for us. He gave his life for us. And then he proved he had the power over sin and death by rising from the dead. That's unheard of. And so the question is, is there anyone in this life that is more trustworthy than Jesus? As I look back at history, as I look at people in my present life, I can't think of anyone in my life more trustworthy than Jesus. And so if Jesus says that he is the only way to God, I have no choice but to believe him because there's no one else in this world that's more trustworthy than him. And so I trust him because he is trustworthy. But you know what? Uh, as I reflect on this whole concept of Jesus being the way, uh, just to transition into another kind of idea here. You know, I think the most exciting thing about heaven is actually not heaven. It's not the place, it's not the location, but it's, uh, it's Jesus. The most exciting thing about heaven is Christ. It's the presence of God. You know, there is no greater joy than being in the presence of God. And, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, I spent a lot of time in my life just thinking about heaven. And when I used to think about heaven, I used to think more about um, you know, what kind of activities are we going to be doing in heaven? Are we going to be, you know, floating from running around from one uh, world to another, uh, you know, throughout the galaxy? Are we, are we going to be able to play sports? You know, um, are we going to be able to go on hikes? You know, what, is there going to be a beach there? You know, the activities, am I going to be entertained? And I still think about those things, but not, not as much. I, I also think about, you know, what's, what's the food going to be like? You know, uh, that's, that's pretty important. I'm a foodie. Um, 
Uh, are we going to have the same foods as we are here? What, are, gonna be, are there going to be new types of foods uh, with various types of, from various types of trees or plants? And I, think, I still think about those things, but to a much lesser extent. Or you know, what about who's going to be there? And what, you know, what, what are things going to be like? How are we going to interact with each other? And you know, I still think about those things, but not as much anymore. I'll tell you what, I'm, what I think most of now when I think of heaven. I'm just most interested in being with Christ. And that, that song that we just sang, there's a line in there that says something about just being in the arms of Jesus. Man, that was so meaningful to me. Um, you know, honest to God, the, the very first thing, the thing that is often consuming my mind now when I think of heaven, I, I just want to get to heaven and I just want to give Jesus a great big hug. That's all I want to do. I mean, I, I, would love to just, I would love to just go to heaven, find Jesus, and wrap my arms around his feet and if he's got time for me, I'll give him a hug. <laughs> I'm sure he will. I don't know how that works with all those people in heaven. But, you know, oftentimes when I think of going to heaven now, I think of myself crawling into heaven because I don't deserve to be there. And cr- crawling through the streets of gold, I just want to get to Jesus. Crawling over the hills, if there are any hills. Uh, crawling through whatever trails there are. I just want to get to Jesus. And then finding Jesus, falling at his feet, hugging him. If, if he's got time for me. <laughs> and I could see Jesus saying, Ryan, you don't need to be crawling anymore. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to feel guilty. I've, I've forgiven you of your sins. And when I, when I see you, I, all I see is a perfect person because I made you perfect. I made you clean. Uh, the, the cross is enough. My blood is enough. Give me a hug. And that is honestly what, cons- is, is uh, that, that, that is the majority thing that I think of now when I think of heaven, just being in the presence of Christ. Just being in his presence. Just being in his presence is enough. And I'm looking forward. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to, to heaven, to eternity. Man, we have a wonderful, eternal, permanent future ahead of, the, ahead of us for those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, man, uh, that's the best decision you can make. And you should trust him because there's no one else in the world that comes close to being able to, that comes close to the trust level that you should be putting in him. Trust in Jesus today. So let me summarize. Why should we not be troubled? No matter what trouble you're facing today, remember that this world is not our home. It's temporary. It's not, our, it's not where our identity is found. It's not where our citizenship is truly found. Our troubles are temporary. Why should we not be troubled? Because our permanent home is with Christ. He's preparing a place for us. He's excited for you to be there. And he's not going to abandon us. He's coming back to get us soon. He's coming back soon. Possibly sooner than you think. I want to close by reading a passage. And then we'll go back into a, our closing song. A passage uh, from Revelation 22 is the last chapter in uh, Scripture. And whenever you're facing trouble, or as you reflect on the troubles of your life in this world, I want you to just reflect on what awaits us. And and may this passage just uh, leave you with a sense of encouragement of what is waiting ahead of those who have put their faith in Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 1 to 5. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. 
and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Sweet, no more sin. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and the servants will serve him. They will see his face. Praise God. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's permanent. It's eternal. It's not temporary. Amen. Lord, you are so good. Lord, when we were lost in our sin and lost in our troubles, you didn't abandon us, but you sent your son to offer us a solution, a way out from our sin and the troubles that we see in this life. Thank you, Lord, for coming yourself, for sending your son. You didn't delegate that to anyone else, but you came yourself. Wow. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again. Lord, encourage us today and just remind us that the troubles of this life are just temporary and encourage us and help us to look forward to the day where we can meet you face to face. For those of us who are struggling with something on a personal level or just worried about what's going on in the world, Lord, help us to take courage in you and uh, help us to be strengthened by you and, and find our encouragement in you and, and just, just recognize that uh, you're the one who sustains us and strengthens us. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that gives us direction in this life. And uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be with us in whatever difficult times that we're facing right now, as individuals and even as a church. <clears throat> thank you for being with us, Lord. Thank you that you haven't abandoned us, and thank you that you're coming back. Amen.